Well, welcome to Holy Days. Uh, I'm here again. This I'm Apostle Freddie with uh, Pastor Sean. And uh, we have been, the last few weeks, have been talking about the fall feast. Uh, you know, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, uh, it explains and talks about the seven feasts. And uh, we know that four of them are all in the, the spring of the year. And then there's a, a gap, a time, uh, time for harvest, and then you have the fall feast. So we went through the, the, the Feast of Trumpets. Mm -hmm. We talked about the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, beginning of the new year. Uh, we talked about the Day of Atonement uh, on our last episode. And now we come to the Feast or Festival of uh, Booths, mm -hmm. so or Tabernacles, some may say. So, Pastor Sean, so what's in store for us today, and uh, what kind of recap do we need to do before we get started? Well, for a short recap, when we ended it last week, we didn't explain that uh, at the very end of your season of the Day of Atonement, in our prophetic timeline, uh, Christ returns. Mm -hmm. So right at the this tabernacles is all about what happens after he returns okay so that's where we're at mm -hmm. uh he's uh he's come back he split the mount of olives uh or mount zion I, i'm drawing a blank right now yeah. but and uh the earthquake happened you you got the valley where it comes down to the, through the eastern gate he set up his kingdom he's defeated the enemy and what happens next that's right where we're at so the feast of tabernacles as a representation of all that God's trying to tell us for that time. Okay. So, well, uh, let's dive right in and see what we got today. All right. So, um, the time of Sukkot uh, takes place five days after the Day of Atonement. So, that's on the official calendar. It is uh, one of the three pilgrimage feasts, pilgrimage feast, if I talk today. It's uh, where they have to come up. They were always told to come up, like in uh, Leviticus there, as you have it open, uh, it's yeah. one of those. You have to come up during this time. Yes. Every meal. Mm -hmm. uh, now, just another recap here. Uh, in our scripture readings, it says that uh, the Day of Atonement is nine days after the uh, trumpets. Now we're five days. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we're five days after that. Yeah. And uh, during the millennial reign, the nations that don't come up to worship God during this feast mm -hmm. will have no reign. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's just telling them, you're not going to have any rain unless you come up and worship at this feast. Wow. So, you know, and that would be very important because of, you know, uh, of harvest and things of that nature. Uh, and uh, it's, you know, it's dry here right now, this season we're in. We're in yeah. a very dry season, so we need some rain. So maybe we need to come up for some worship. So, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like this is a point to explain some things because last week I was, I said, do you only have one or two choices? Either be martyred or, uh, you know, uh, take the mark. Yeah. Uh, there are some that survive. And okay. that's why we have these people on earth <coughs> that are not coming up to the feast. They're not in their new bodies. They are still alive. Okay. So I will explain that. And then uh, you even have some in the, uh, the Jewish people that won't die. Because remember, it says they'll take half the city, and then Jesus comes back, you know, and does that. So I will explain that too. And then that talks about how the women will come to the men and say, five of them, hey, we just want your last name. We'll we'll work, yeah. and we'll provide. We'll get eat our own bread, 
but we just want your life. So they're saying, hey, let's get married, five of us to one, because all these men will be killed at that point. Okay. So that's important to understand that that kind of thing will happen during the millennial reign. Uh, <laughs> the people that survive. Now, we're talking about very, very bad conditions, so... There's not going to be a whole lot of them. The Bible even speaks about, I forget which verse it is, uh, but uh, those who think they'll hide in the caves, mm. that poisonous fumes will get to them, and those that think they'll survive in the wilderness, well, I'm a country boy, I can survive. Well, he'll send wild animals after yeah. you. So there's not going to be a whole lot of people who survive this. Yeah. I'll just point that uh, out. And, you know, it's a good time right now just to bring up a point. There's a, there's a, a group of people that are growing and uh, they are called the survivalists. Uh, and uh, some of them are, they've got other names, but they're trying to, to live off the grid. They're trying to get out, uh, live in the mountains, and uh, live in, uh, in the ground and underground, and that's great. That's a, it's a way to escape a lot of uh, uh, things going on in the earth today. It uh, might be even a great way to protect you and your family from the things in the earth. Mm-hmm. But on this, what we're talking about, the end of times, you're not going to have a way to escape. There's not a cave. There's not a hole in the ground. There's no place. No. Uh, the, but the Lord will know where you're at, and, uh, but judgment will come. Yeah. Now, if you're right with God, you, you may have a chance. Now, you're talking about you missed the rapture. So, uh, you know, it's not great conditions. But right. if, you, if there are people who do survive, I would like to talk to them. But uh, afterwards, and be like, what was that like? Yeah. But anyway, so in Zechariah uh, fourteen seventeen, I'm going to read through there a little bit, and then we're going to move on. And if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up to present themselves, then on them there shall be no rain. There shall be a plague with which the Lord afflicts the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths. That shall be the punishment to Egypt and the punishment to all nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths. So it's, uh, it's important to understand that he's, he's really serious about this. And it all, we're going to start discussing what it all has to do with. So what is this feast really all about? Um, so... Let's start off with a little bit of the history. So, the Feast of Tabernacles, when Israel spent time in the tents in the desert after they left Egypt. This is when uh, one of those uh, times comes up, when God's presence came down into the tabernacle in the camp in the sight of all of Israel. Uh, it is known as the Festival of Ingathering. Mm-hmm. So, the harvest has ended. All the saints were martyred on earth. Resurrection has taken place. Now is the time when the harvest is gathered to its dwelling place, to their tabernacles. During this time, the Jews uh, read uh, Kohelet, and uh, that's Ecclesiastes in English. And the book reminds us that life's pleasures and uh, work are mundane. You know, they don't really mean anything at the end of the day. They do not have true purpose. It speaks to the search of the deeper meaning of life. You know, uh, Jesus does not desire for us to be concerned about earthly things. So, what you know, what does he say in the Gospels? You know, what we shall eat, what we shall drink, what we shall wear. You know, all these things. You know, the Father knows you yeah. need them. Right in uh, that scripture. So, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Is what he's saying. 
in that selection of scripture. So what does that have to do? I'm, I'm going somewhere, okay. I promise. But uh, during Sukkot's prophetic seasons, the millennial reign, uh, Jesus will be writing the law upon our hearts. So teaching us to be selfless instead of selfish. Uh, that's, that's kind of the heart of it. I've, that's where I always get down to it because that's what the law is. And now, So the most powerful commandments, what are they? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Selfless. Okay. So on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That's Matthew twenty two, thirty seven through forty. So um when we totally love God and love our neighbor, selfishness dissipates. You know, you don't have when you're when you're when you really love someone, you don't have selfish behavior, you know. That's true. So uh, uh selflessness begins to shine then. So uh, during this time, some of the Jews read what happened after the golden calf incident. I know you brought that up, uh, I think it was it last week. Uh, yes. And Moses intercedes and reconciles for Israel to God, praying on the mountain for 40 days for a second time. So he's up there interceding on their behalf but after what just happened. Please don't destroy them. So yeah. it's, uh, he asked to see God's glory. Now, very interestingly, the Jews teach that he did not ask this for his own sake. Right. He asked for because he needed it because the position he was in for the people. Mm-hmm. So that's what they they believe. So God puts him in the cleft of the rock and puts his hand over his face. So being touched by God, and then he sees the backside or the former things that, of the God's glory because he couldn't see his face. He said, "You can't see what's coming, but I'll show you the former." Um, and you remember what happens when Moses comes down. Now, Moses doesn't even realize it. So, if you have a light shining off the top of your head. Glowing all about your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In every direction. You, you're going to forget about it. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So, he's, he, he's emanating light, but he doesn't even realize it. So spending that time with God, where God puts his hand on his face, and if you were to ask scientists... How does this, what does this mean? Well, it excites the cells. They speed up. So your cells speed up and begin to emit light in the presence of God because he's that powerful. So when you're in the presence of God and you start, you see, you, if you've ever seen somebody shine uh, or start to glow, it's, uh, their cells are being excited by the presence of God. It's, it's an actual thing. So this is what happens to Moses. Just being touched by the hand okay. of God. So imagine that you uh, put off such, such light from an encounter with God that you shine so bright you don't even realize you have light in, in, emanating from you. You're just in awe of the experience you had with God. So he's coming down the mountain, and I, I, I can't help but go to like a Charlton Heston thing. Yeah. So he's got that look on his face, you know, God. You know, yeah. he's out there. So uh, that's what Moses had. With that encounter. So, you know, I just like to bring that up because there have been times when uh, I've shined, spending many hours in prayer and didn't realize it. And then people would tell me, you know, or to get taken aback when I walked into the room. And uh, there there are different people I've seen come off with that light. And uh, it's it's very fascinating. And it's a, it's a revelation of God wanting to spend that time with us. So when you have a true encounter, everyone's going to know it. 
You're right. That's true. Uh, not only just from your appearance, but the way you act, talk, and walk. Mm -hmm. it's, it comes out. Repentance and sins blotted out uh, from Passover, first fruits, and unleavened bread. Revival and refreshing from Shavuot, which is the time period we're in now. And restoration in tabernacles. So tabernacles is a restoration of all things. Mm. That's what it leads into. Because at the end of tabernacles, new earth, new Jerusalem. We'll get all into that here in a moment. But the intent from God from the beginning was to dwell among his people. Bereshit in the Hebrew pictorial letters, that's the first word of the Bible. Mm. It's also the name of the first book. So it's beginning, it's not uh, Genesis. Okay. But um, in Hebrew pictorial letters, uh, broken apart could read the Son of God crowned with thorns upon his head on a tree, uh, a gift of the covenant. Mm. Now that's adding in a few A's and O's and D's, but basically the Son of God... Uh, crown of thorns on his head on a tree gift of the covenant All right. this is the first very first word God revealed his plan so it's uh, Adam could have ate of the tree of life I want to point that out uh, after Adam sinned if he ate of the tree of life I mean tree of life and became immortal but he would have never been able to dwell with God wow so you got to see that purpose there because sometimes it was like Oh, he would have just been stuck in sins. Well, no, he would have never been able to dwell with God. That's the point. That's the point of all of it. God wanted a family. He desires us to be at his table, fellowshipping with him. So it is not uh, his desire that any should perish. Uh, Sukkot is a holy convocation, a rehearsal. So, You know, in the Feast of Booth, this holy convocation, that's how it starts uh, on the fifth day. Uh, and, of course, it lasts for eight days. And the last day is a day of holy convocation. So it's, it's two days, the beginning, no, no work, nothing but rest. And then the seven days are in between is when the sacrifices are brought and the burnt offerings and uh, all of the different offerings are brought. It's also a time when personal gifts and offerings are brought. And then the last of it ends with holy convocation of, of totally... Uh, resting and uh, doing nothing be, but rest before the Lord. Mm -hmm. Something other interesting, and you alluded to it a moment ago when you were talking about uh, worshipers come up to worship. You know, when you read of the seven feasts, Feast of Booths is the only feast that is commanded to worship. Mm -hmm. You're not commanded to worship at Passover. You know, and that seems to be our number one thing we want to worship the well passover unleavened bread and first fruits the resurrection of jesus that's our uh time of year that we look at so uh, it's uh it's interesting that this is the one commanded to worship it's a time of joy and it's commanded to worship and it's commanded to have joy amen so i want i want to point that out because i'm going to say it this way every christian should celebrate this yeah uh, not only are we commanded to provoke the Jew to jealousy, this, we're going to get into it, and I'm going to explain what it has to do with Christians. Because this particular feast, there's a sacrifice that directly has to do with every other nation. Amen. So, so. Uh, But this feast is 
we're, Sukkot, you know, the Holy Convocation, yeah. a rehearsal. It's a rehearsal, right. re enactment. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's, they're acting it out, and it's something they're going to come across in the future. Yeah. They, don't, they don't even know what it's for, but um, it's for the Millennial Kingdom. In the first and the last days of the Sabbath, the eighth day, which we're going to get into, uh, the 8,000th year. So the seventh day is your millennial, mm -hmm. and then the eighth day is going out into eternity. So at the end of the millennial, it's referred to Shemini Atzeret, and it is the sacred assembly. Wow. So mm -hmm. the eighth day is when uh, Satan is released for the last time, right before the eighth day, to deceive the nations one last time. He is defeated, thrown into the lake of fire, along with death and Hades, and uh, anyone not found in the book of life. So over and done with, the purpose uh, is, you know, dwelling in the tabernacles. Uh, then a new heaven and a new earth comes. Mm -hmm. So the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Um, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God wants to dwell with us. Mm -hmm. yes, uh, but it takes... 1,000 years to fully prepare for the culmination of eternity. So I want you to understand, Jesus is on the earth for this uh, 1,000 years. Then the Father comes with the new Jerusalem. So the Father's going to dwell here too, but he has to get, we have to be ready and prepared for that. Jesus shed his blood so we can be in the presence of Jesus and we can be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But the Father is, you know, I think there's something there to that. Mm. I'm not going to go into that too deep, but... He doesn't come until everyone is ready. Right. So, as a, the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. That's Isaiah 62, verse 5. The first letters of the first word of the Bible is uh, bait, and it is a picture of a house. So, it's the second uh, Hebrew letter, but the picture is a house. God's dream is to dwell with you. Hmm. So, that's... that's I want yeah. you to realize that. If that's his dream, to dwell with his people. Mm. So the very first letter in, in the Bible is a picture of a house. Mm. So the father comes to dwell with his son and his wife at the end of the white throne judgment. So the white throne judgment happens at the end of the millennial. And uh, everyone's resurrected. Live, dead, see, anywhere, ev absolutely everyone. And then the judgment comes. Mm. So in Judaism, there are there are uh, some several special guests that are invited to the sukkah. So referred to as the faithful guests, mm. all have aspects of Jesus. So the first one is Abraham, the friend of God. Okay. Isaac, the only begotten. Jacob, the prince of God. Joseph, the suffering servant. Moses, the prophet. Aaron, the high priest, and David, a man after God's own heart. So the Jews invite them all. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a thing they do. And then uh, in Deuteronomy 16, and it's verses 13 through 15. Hang on. You shall keep the Feast of Booths seven days when you have gathered the, in the produce from your threshing floor and your winepress. You shall rejoice in the feast. 
you, your son, your daughter, and your male servant and your female servant, the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns. Okay. So everyone. Everyone. <laughs> Just like, That's the same wording when we read uh, the Ten Commandments, you know, so... For seven days you shall keep the feast of the Lord your God at the place that the Lord will choose, because the Lord your God will bless you in all of your produce and in all of the work of your hands, so that you will be altogether joyful. Hmm. So it's absolute joy. You know, and it was a... And we look at why did they celebrate the Feast of Booths. Well, in the wilderness, this is how they lived every day. And uh, so now the Feast of Booth is a reminder to that they are for one week to live the way they did in the, in the wilderness as a reminder. And there are several different things. I don't know if you've uh, seen the part or brought up the part where on the eighth day the priests would go and get water in a gold picture, pitcher and pour it in a silver basin. Mm -hmm. But it signified the, the water that God provided them with that came from the rock miraculously. And, and so there's a lot of symbolic things that they do to bring remembrance of their journey and the whole Feast of Booth. And then, so the celebration is to celebrate God's goodness and provision. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that as we continue to celebrate God's, you know, we, we walk in His goodness and we walk in His provisions. I'm glad you brought that up because I left that part out, but I am coming up to that. Okay. I am going to mention it. Uh, but that, that water and it poured out on it, uh -huh. and uh, we're, coming, we're coming right up to that. So we are commanded to have joy. The bridegroom is with us. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more selfish desires in our hearts. Imagine uh, not having all those desires. You know, there are times we know we have these desires come up. Right. And just imagine not having to deal with that. That, that's, that's a part of this. It is going to be gone. Nothing but the perfect, selfless love of the Father and the Son dwelling in us. Mm. Purity dwelling in us. So uh, Sukkot is when the union of the marriage is consummated. I'll put it that way. So we had the marriage supper of the Lamb, and it's consummated during that time. This is Him dwelling in us. Mm. That's the fulfillment of it. So we're going to go to Hosea. And I know I'm bringing up quite a few scriptures here, but just stick with me. Uh, 2, 14 through 17. Then we're going to jump a little bit. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak to her tenderly. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of uh, Accor a door of hope. And I'm not sure I said that right. Uh, there, and there she shall answer as in the days of her youth as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. Now we're going to jump down to verse 19. Oh, wait a minute. We're going to read through 16. So, and in that day declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, which is my Ishi, instead of Baal. Because okay. right now the word in the Hebrew language is Baal, which obviously we don't want that. And then for I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered no, by my name no more. So no more the name of Baal. And then we're going to jump to verse 19. And I will betroth you to me forever. And I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and in steadfast love and mercy. 
I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Wow. So that's your intimacy level fulfillment in the Feast of uh, Booths. Okay. That's what we're heading to. So in the ancient Jewish weddings, there was a temporary dwelling. I've talked about this before. Uh, uh, after the consummation of the union, they moved into a permanent dwelling. So there was an attachment on the father's house, and then they moved to their permanent dwellings. So after the Feast of Booths is ended, the New Jerusalem comes down and people move into their permanent dwellings. So you can see how that's coming together. Seven days the bridegroom spends with his bride before moving into the permanent dwelling. Uh, all of this pointing to the day of rest with our Savior. So uh, Exodus 28, 5, verse 8. Let them build me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. Uh, Shikanti, dwell among them, is literally trans- mistranslated in a way. Because it really is dwell in them. Not dwell among them. Yeah, little little nugget from a root word to from a root word that means to dwell inside. Okay. So, uh, let me try to say this right. Ani ladoti vidoti. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. That is in the Song of Solomon, chapter six, verse three. That's how you say it in Hebrew. But uh, when you read the Song of Solomon. Think of it as a spiritual love of Jesus to us. So and it's not a physical, sexual book describing these things. It's a, but a pure spiritual love. So this, when you read it the wrong way, it sounds like, why is this in the Bible? But no, it's, it's the Father and, you know, trying to show us the love of God for us. So uh, we may have to do a series on it. Okay, but we'll get to that later. God desires to dwell among us and in us. Uh, Sukkot is the fulfillment of that. That's what we have to look forward to in the future. It's the uh, seventh day in the millennial reign. You might say, well, that's just for the Jews and I don't have to celebrate it. Now we're getting to the part I was talking about. Sukkot is the feast of the nations. Okay. During Sukkot, 70 bulls were slaughtered to account for the 70 Gentile nations. It's just as much a celebration for the Gentiles as it is for the Jews. They included us in it. It's the great end gathering. Okay. So who should celebrate it? Everyone. Everyone. Sukkot is for all of us. On this day, specific prayers are offered pleading to God to save his people. In the temple era, water was retrieved. Okay. <laughs> Here we are with the water from the pool of Siloam was brought into the temple with a great celebration and poured onto the altar. So he, he talked about the silver basin. And uh, the ceremony acknowledges belief God would decide how much rain w- would come in spring. So that was part of the reason they would do that. Um, let's see, in Isaiah, look that up too. I got a lot of scriptures here, I know. And we give you these scriptures because uh, we want you to be able to check us out and see where we're getting some of this stuff and, and so that you can follow along with it. So Isaiah 12, verses 3 through 6. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the peoples, proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for He has done graciously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout, 
and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Uh, during Sukkot, uh, in John uh, chapter 7, 37 through 38, Jesus was declaring the fulfillment of the feast. And we're going to turn to that real quick, because I, I don't know if everybody realizes that in John, this was during that feast. So let's turn to the book of John, and it is in chapter 7, 37 and 38. So on that day, uh, on the last day of the feast, so the final day of the feast of, of Sukkot, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So on the last day, when they bring up the water and Jesus is there and he's seeing them pour the water on the altar, he's telling everyone, I am the living water. Yeah. So. It's, 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 it happened right there together. That was, that was the day they do that. So imagine him standing there and that happening right in front of him and him declaring that. So that's where that comes in, if, if you didn't know. A day is coming when we neither thirst, we will be with our beloved Savior. So we won't thirst. There won't be these great desires pulling us away or all these things in life that we have, you know. Mm -hmm. It's he'll fulfill all of it in that time. Um, we will be selfless, pure, and full of every good thing because he will dwell in us. It's a knee, if I can say it, devotee, devotee, uh, vidoti. So it's, it's God saying to us during this time, he loves us, he's looking forward to being gathered to us. It's a sacred time. It's a time we come together to draw near to God. And He wants to be with us. So there's that great love. And I want, I want people to see that because we just read through the Day of Atonement mm -hmm. where we had judgment and the marriage supper of the Lamb. But there's so much more coming. Yeah. There is uh, the highway to holiness. So after, during the millennial reign, there'll be so many bones and things outside of Jerusalem on the road to Jerusalem that there will be people who will be set apart to go through and just pick up the bones. Mm -hmm. And they'll be considered unclean, so they'll have to wash, be separate for a while, mm -hmm. but they'll have a job. And that job is specifically just yeah. pick up the bones. Yeah, that's right. So there's so much going on during that time, but I just want, I wanted people to sense the joy. Yes. That, well, and um, so what I want to do is kind of give you a recap, just uh, to go back through. This is... Uh, some notes that I found uh, on uh, Leviticus 23. I'm going to share some of those with you. But the, it's the prophetic significance of the feast. Uh, one of the things I would recommend that order you a, a Jewish calendar and just have it up and you'll be able to see these when these feasts come and different things. But on Israel's calendar, the, we've talked many times, you've heard, so we're recapping. Uh, there's four spring feasts, and they were grouped together. And then uh, there are three fall feasts, and they're grouped together. And they, they were, all the first four really connect strongly, and the last three connect very strongly. So, um, the, you know, as uh, the, these different, um, the, as uh, the group, the first uh, four feasts point to the work of Jesus and his first coming. Mm-hmm. 
his earthly ministry as recorded in, in the New Testament. So it all points to that. The Feast of Passover clearly uh, points to Jesus as our Passover. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. So you write these down and you can look these up. He was the Lamb of God who was sacrificed and whose blood was uh, received and applied so the wrath of God would pass over us so that, you know, we wouldn't suffer in that. So we hit points to that. The Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, points to the time that Jesus' burial, uh, after his uh, perfect, sinless uh, sacrifice on the cross, in this time, Jesus was received by God the Father uh, as holy and complete. The, the Holy One who, uh, who did not see corruptions, and that's in Acts 2, verse 27, perfectly accomplished our salvation. Uh, we couldn't have salvation without a sinless Savior. So that takes the first two. The Feast of first fruits points to the resurrection of Jesus, uh, it's, uh, and the harvest of souls uh, that are well, it was uh, it was the first human who received resurrection, never to die again. Uh, he is the firstborn uh, from the dead. Colossians one eighteen. He has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Uh, Christ, the first fruits afterward. Those who Christ at his coming. First uh, Corinthians fifteen verse twenty and verse twenty three. And then we see the Feast of Pentecost points to the, the birth of the church. That's the, that's the birth of the church. We read that in Acts chapter 2. That's the harvest of souls uh, that came. Uh, you know, we was talking about Moses. Went up and he came down on, off, off the mountain. Well, you know, during that time when uh, Moses came down, if you read and study that scripture, it says that uh, those that went on the, the other side and served Baal and those there, it says about 3,000 souls uh, perished that day. Mm -hmm. Well, when you read Acts 2, the birth of the church, about 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom that mm -hmm. day. Uh, there's something significant in everything in the Bible that you need to you know listen to some of the things we're seeing and, and start putting some things together. But... Uh, 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 significantly, the Feast of Pentecost was uh, uh, two leavened loaves of bread were waved as a holy offering to God, speaking of bringing the unleavened Gentiles into the church. So that's sort of so. Now we come to the between the first set of four and the second three. There's a, there's a gap, and this gap uh, is the summer months. It's, um, you know, around four months of time. Uh, it's, this is the time of harvest in Israel. And uh, uh, even as, uh, uh, you know, in this time, it's the, in our current time, it's the harvest of the church. It's the harvest of souls. Uh, and until, it says, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. We'll read that in Romans chapter 1, verse 12, mm -hmm. or verse 25. 11, I'm sorry, I've got my thing, Romans 11, 25. So, that takes care of those first three feasts. And then, uh, so the second group, uh, they, they associate with the second coming. Mm -hmm. All of the first four was with the first coming. The second three are with the second coming. So, the Feast of Trumpets, which uh, I thought we, we covered most everything, points to uh, an ultimate holy uh, convocation with God's uh, people at the sound of the trumpet. Uh, 
the sound of the trumpet, the rapture of the church, First uh, Thess- Thessalonians four uh, sixteen through and seventeen. Now, it won't find that word rapture. Everybody wants to pick on us for using the word rapture. It's not in the Bible. No, it's not. The word is is used as catching up or, or catching away, mm-hmm. which means rapture. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let's just don't get nitpicky on a few little words. Uh, and it also points to God's gathering of Israel for his people, uh, for his special purpose in the last days. So, then we move to Day of Atonement. Uh, it points to the, the perfect atonement Jesus offered uh, on our behalf. Uh, it also... Uh, of the affliction and salvation. So Israel will see uh, during the great tribulation. So uh, is it truly a time uh, when the souls of Israel is afflicted? And But for their ultimate salvation, Jeremiah 30, verse 7, uh, says, Alas, for the last day is great, so the, that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's, Jacob's trouble but he shall be saved out of it. So that's that's what we're talking about. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles points to, as Sean mentioned earlier, it points uh, uh, to uh, the millennium rest uh, and comfort of God for Israel and all all of his people uh, from its beginning to its end. And it's all about peace, rest, joy, and worship. That it's a it's the party of parties. It's a feast of feast. Uh, it's the feast of time is said to to be celebrated during the millennium. Zechariah, chapter fourteen, verses sixteen through nineteen. So, uh, you know, we can we can find evidence, and each of the four feasts points to the first coming, and and the, the second points to the. Uh, uh, of these feasts, you know, we know on the first Jesus was actually crucified on Passover, John nineteen fourteen. Uh, so uh, it it also uh, it, the body of Jesus was buried in his uh, on that unleavened bread. It's, mm-hmm. it, we have knowledge of that and proof of that, and we he rose from the dead on first fruits. Mm-hmm. So you know we see these, and we know the church was birthed at Pentecost. So that's why we look at these fall feasts for the second coming. The rapture of the church, uh, where we're called up. Jesus, we never said he comes back on the Feast of Trumpets. It's the trumpets are sound. We're caught up with him to meet him in the air. At the end of tribulations, we come back. Day of Atonement on the earth. Sean has went through that. And then... After that, the millennium rest, the Feast of Booth, time that we all celebrate with God. And so we, we want to, you to get an understanding uh, that nothing in the Bible is there by chance or accident. Uh, nothing in the, in the Old Testament should be disregarded as not important or relevant to today. Because the scripture in Isaiah 46.10 says, Declaring the end from the beginning. So if, you, if you're interested in end times, in the last days, and uh, we all believe that we're in the last days, uh, if they're declared from the beginning. So we have to go back to the beginning mm-hmm. and start reading 
uh, and studying that. And so, uh, the first in the beginning was a, was the Torah, the first five books, and we've covered that in previous uh, uh, teachings on the, on Holy Holy Days podcast. So, we're just right in the middle of these feasts, and uh, we're right in the middle of the Day of Atonement, and this week comes up uh, Feast of Booths, mm-hmm. and so. Just a nice little recap, just to bring us all up to date. So, Sean, where do we go from here? Well, this is something I would like to do. Let's see how much time we got. A little bit of time, so I'm going to go into something that most of you probably haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. So, I want to talk about the harvest cycles. Mm-hmm. So, we have harvest cycles in the Bible. You have the Book of Ruth, you have the gleaning of the fields, and you have all these things going on. Well, what does this pertain to? Is there any? prophetic significance to any of this. Well, I would challenge you to start looking at this. I don't have a whole lot of time to go into this today, but uh, think about the, you know, the first fruits of harvest. So they glean the field. The priest comes around. He marks the bushels that he's going to take or uh, is the, the ones that people can come and grab and glean. So he marks the fields, the first fruits, out of the whole bulk. So you've got a bulk of the whole field, but only some are ripened and ready first. Some are only rapture ready first. Mm -hmm. So there's a little significance there. Mm -hmm. So the barley is always the first harvest to come up. The barley is sturdy. It's not the best for baking, but it is sturdy. It, It blossoms quickly. It understands quickly. You know, get get it that way. So mm-hmm. the church represents the barley, because God moved uh, t- to us on Shavuot. He, they, we got all these different nations, tribes, and tongues, and different people that got saved. It wasn't just Jews around there, but the first uh, the first official one that spoke in tongues was Cornelius. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when of I was the at, Gentiles of the Gentiles, so you got all this going on, but. The church, like Paul said, he went and preached to the Gentiles. So we understand that Jesus is the Messiah. Many of the Jews will not understand until they see the one that they pierced mm-hmm. when coming in the sky. That's just, that's just fact. He wrote about that. But uh, who's the first fruits then of, the, of him rapture, of, 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 the, uh, yeah, of the rapture? Of, of the saints. You yeah. know. So what, what's he coming after in the Feast of Trumpets? So I would say it's the barley harvest. It's the church. It's the people who are, you know, close to him. We've discussed, we talked about that and being right with God and obeying his voice and things of that nature. But only some of them will be ready. Hmm. And it's, it's a sad fact, but it's a fact. So those that are ready, he's going to call. Well, we read so many scriptures. It says on that day, uh, two will be in the field working. Mm-hmm. One will be taken, one will be left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know... That's just facts, and uh, some sometimes we just don't we don't want to grab the truth of that, you know. No. But God, God's speaking to us and trying to share with us. And by the way, if uh, not to scare people here, but uh, with the year changing, uh, if you add in all the years they spent in captivity and all the other years that they took out in the Jewish calendar, hmm. there we're not in fifty-seven eighty-four. Okay, what year are we in? 5,999. Yeah. We are on, we're on the cusp. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You, you so, know, and I wanted you to say that uh, because I have heard some t- teachings 
that we're in the year of 98-99, moving mm -hmm. into that time frame yeah. of uh, being close to 6,000 years. Yes. And uh, declaring the end from the beginning, uh, you know, God created everything in, in six days, mm -hmm. and on the seventh day, He rested. Yep. And uh, we, you know, many teachers believe that uh, there will be 6,000 years, the rapture of the church. The seventh day of rest, what we've been talking about here for the last 40 minutes, is uh, Feast of Booth, uh, mm -hmm. day of rest, uh, millennium reign. And uh, so God declared the end from the beginning. And just a significant, a little nugget in there, uh, if this may be the first time you've ever heard this, but you notice on the, uh, the fourth day, uh, God created uh, the sun and the moon. Mm -hmm. But he created the great light on the fourth day. And so, well, what's the significance of that? Well, a day of the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. On the, the fourth day, uh, we look at 4,000 years. Well, what happened on the 4,000 4, years from the beginning? Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. Passover, uh, you know, we have Jesus Christ's birth, Mm -hmm. uh, of Rosh Hashanah uh, at 3 BC, and uh, we go from that time. So here we are uh, at the end of 2,000 years, and uh, you know, I, I'm just, I, I look at this, and then I look into, uh, we read about the, the Good Samaritan, and the Good Samaritan we know and represent is that's Jesus Christ, that he went, he uh, picked up the lame man uh, that was wounded and left for dead, and it said he set him on his own beast, he took him to the inn, and he gave the, the innkeeper two denarii. Well, a denarii is a day's wages. So he mm -hmm. gave him two days' wages. And he said, when I come again. So he, the, the Samaritan was coming again. And he said, if anything is old, I'll settle at that time. So there again, a day for the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years. If Jesus is a good Samaritan, I'm coming back in two days. Mm -hmm. So we got so many things that bring us to this time. Yeah. And uh, we, we don't know accurate some of the days, but we know some seasons. And so we're just trying to get you to uh, understand, be ready, uh, because that day is going to come without, without notice. Uh, we have to be ready. And so, so this is a, that a year. That's a good nugget. And he'll come at a time that you think not. Hmm. So uh, it's, I've always tried to say it this way. When peace is going on and everything looks good and we finally look like everything's going really good and everybody's just having a good time, that's the time I would be most aware of. Because and rather than just chaos everywhere. Because yes, he says wars and rumors of wars and things like that. But I've always looked at it as... I don't think that will be exactly when it'll happen yeah. because that's what everybody expects. When the greatest darkness is there, I would have expected it to be when everybody just <sighs> mm. sigh of relief. And then, well, now I can go do whatever I want. Yeah. That's kind of the way I've always looked at it. But uh, the 144,000 would be your, your second harvest, the wheat yeah, harvest. The wheat harvest. So That's in the middle mm -hmm. of uh, tribulation, right? Mm -hmm. okay. Yes. So the 144,000, why only 144,000? Well, you have the 12,000, you have all that meanings and that and other teachings you can go into and all of that. But I would also remind you, because there's quite a lot more Jews than 144,000. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about what is ripened first. So these are the ones that call out and cry out for him to come back. That's, you know, the, the, you hear that. 
in the Bible in Revelation. So these are your first fruits. These are the ones marked by the priest. These are the ones with the symbol. This is what it's saying. Uh, <clears throat> you got your 144,000. Then the final grape harvest in the book of Revelation, uh, the grapes of wrath. So that's uh, where God pours out his judgment, the rapture of those who are martyred for Christ during the tribulation, the barley harvest, all that. Everything's coming together uh, at the end of the age. So it's it's just very interesting things. But as I dug a whole lot deeper than what I've covered here today on yeah. the harvest cycles, it really does point to a pre-trib rapture. So I would challenge people, be ready, because he's coming back. We're running out of time. Yes. And if you're not saved, what would they have to do to start believing? Well... The scriptures teach, tell, teach us and tell us that, uh, that we believe on Jesus Christ. Believe, uh, you know, salvation is simple ABC. Admit that we're a sinner and that we need a Savior. Believe in Jesus and confess your sins. And if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he rose from the dead, and the scriptures back that up, uh, it's fact whether you believe it or not, but... But if you do believe that, if you believe there's a God and you believe Scripture, then it teaches you that. Then just simply uh, to realize that He died on the cross for your sins and that if you accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And the prayer is so simple. It's just, uh, Jesus, uh, uh, I come to you as a sinner and I invite you, uh, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart, uh, be my Lord and be my Savior. And, and when you do that, Sean, uh, when that is the simplest prayer uh, that instantly uh, Christ comes. He takes away your sins from that moment. He comes in to dwell in your heart. And then it doesn't mean from that day on that life is all grand. Uh, as a Christian, I, I've given my heart to the Lord. I've confessed my sins. I've asked him to forgive me of them, live in my heart. And I still some days have troubles. Uh, I have trials. I have issues. But I do now know that I have someone that's going to help me through, that's going to comfort me when I have that hope in him. So salvation, uh, and the best thing about salvation, we hear it all the time, it's free. Everybody likes freebies. Everybody likes something free. Amen. And you say, well, it's not free because of the way you live your life. Well, I can go back to... Uh, the restoration of my marriage where God healed uh, my, my wife and uh, myself, uh, healed our hearts, our emotions, uh, healed our marriage. And uh, that's back, I go back to that in 1986. And uh, I don't regret a day. Uh, it's been the best uh, uh, 30 some years of my life. Uh, I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy living for the Lord. Uh, that is, you know, there was so much, people said, don't you get tired of going to church every week? No, uh, I don't get th tired of thanking him for what he's done for me and uh, appreciate what he's done for me. Uh, so uh, he's blessed me, he's prospered me, and uh, I just love serving him. Amen. Yeah. And you know, it's, uh, there, there may be some out there that would say, hey, uh, you know, I just don't think I could live for God. I am too far gone. I am too far this. God's the one that makes you holy. And I also would recommend simple prayers because we make things way too complicated. Mm -hmm. Our thoughts, our minds, the devil's lies 
the little whispers, all these things make things way too complicated. A simple prayer is, God, would you put purity in my heart and purity in my mind? Amen. It's a simple prayer. Would you put, uh, you know, your joy in me? Would you put your love in me? Would you do these things, Father God? It's very simple and it's straightforward. And you're like, I'm acknowledging I need this. Yeah. And, you know, when Jesus even said, uh, forbid not the little children to come to me, mm-hmm. let the children come for salvation. That's what he was, let the children. So let our children come. But you say, I'm old, like you referred to. Maybe I'm too far gone. There was a thief on the cross next to him. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Mm-hmm. So salvation is from the time that you, uh, of a child that you comprehend that you need a Savior until that time of your last breath. Anywhere, any time frame, you can come to Jesus. It doesn't have to be early. It's better because look at the glorious life that you'll have and the prosperous life you'll have and the peace because he it's uh, living for Jesus is the best thing you can do. And as you're living for Jesus, you know, and you're getting that relationship with him. And yes, it is a relationship because if it wasn't, I wouldn't bother with it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll tell you that uh, if there if he didn't communicate with me, if he didn't tell me what he wanted from me, if he didn't point me in the right direction, if I didn't get these uh, uh, pullings from the Holy Spirit guiding me and I wouldn't know what to do. There's a lot of different choices I would have made. There, I will tell you that. But I, when he tells me where to go, what to do, even if it doesn't work out, I keep going that direction because he told me to go that way. Amen. So it's, are you willing to obey and be selfless, or are you going to be selfish and just go after the things you want? It's, that's really the only big deal about it is. So coming to church is not a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing to obey. It's a difficult thing to obey when you don't believe. But I would also say if you're struggling in your faith and you've been believing for a long time and things are just rough, uh, ask him why. And secondly, ask him to take the fight out of your promise. Mm. It's pretty simple. Like I said, if you can keep your prayers simple and stop overcomplicating things, because this only gets in the way, the mind's at enmity with God. Keep it simple. And pray and seek his face, and you'll find the right way you're meant to go. Yeah, and he'll help you. Amen. So uh, this will be the end of this series uh, where we finished out our feasts. Uh, We may pick it up again next year. We'll see. Uh, Do the first four because we we kind of skipped those. No, we did Shavuot, but uh, we didn't do the first three. Okay. But... uh, We'll be back with you. Uh, just keep looking for us. We do ask you to, to share this video after you, you view it. Uh, and the reason we ask you this, it's not for the popularity. It's not for how many views we've got. It's how many uh, lost souls that uh, we can reach. Amen. And uh, by you sharing it uh, in your group, your cycle, um, who knows? There may be somebody that needs this message. And if that be the case, while you're listening and you thought of someone, uh, you know, tag them in it. Uh, So uh, let's just be good stewards of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We will uh, see you soon, and God bless you. May he be with you. May his Holy Spirit dwell with you and in you. And we look forward to seeing you at the Feast of Booths. God bless. Amen.